Welcome to WWDD. She has been known for dishing out advice on people's careers for the last 20 years, empowering professionals every day. As one of the top executive recruiters, Depali Vyas has reviewed more than 100,000 resumes and interviewed over 30,000 executives from startups to Fortune 500. She knows what good looks like. Get the inside scoop on what would Depali do to land that next job promotion, ask for that salary increase, or build that rock star resume. Depali is unlocking her network of industry experts and entrepreneurs to help you learn their secrets to success the real way they got it done. Now here's your host of WWDD, Depali Vyas. We are here to build a community empowering professionals every day. Disclaimer, views expressed here are solely that of Depali Vyas. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to episode four of WWDD. I'm going to jump right into my Ask the Recruiter segment. I've been asked on many occasions, do I have a personal elevator pitch? And normally when someone asks the age-old question, tell me about yourself, are you ready to answer that on the spot? And more importantly, are you able to answer that in 30 seconds or less? So to that, I say, don't just wing it and stumble your way through a rambling, improvised elevator speech the next time you get a chance to meet with an industry influencer. Create and practice your elevator pitch. You never know when you're going to run into that next big opportunity. So how do you craft your pitch? I have three simple ways. One, lead with your destination and where you're going next with your career. Two, snapshot of your backstory, your past experience. And three, connect the dots. And lastly, make them love you. Smile and be personable. And I'm letting you know that I'm smiling as I say this. A smile can be heard, I promise. So if you have to do it over the phone, trust me, it's coming across. So let's get into sort of the crux of the personal elevator pitch. It's a quick summary of yourself and it's named for the time it takes for you to ride an elevator from bottom to top of a building. So roughly 30 seconds or 75 words. Elevator pitches are sometimes thought of as a specific to an idea or a product, but having a pitch to sell yourself as a professional is a common use case for elevator pitches too. So in my case, it's, hi, my name is Deepali. I'm an executive recruiter with a focus in CEO and board searches within the fintech and data science realm. Culminating my 20 years of professional experience, I recently launched a podcast to empower other professionals. This platform allows me to have a broader reach to an audience that can receive the type of advice I've been giving to my Fortune 500 clients and candidates alike. If I can help someone make a career pivot or get that promotion they have been after, mission accomplished. So I've really just given you the step-by-step way to explain who you are and what you want to do. And this step is really about the ask of your pitch, right? So you want to be able to find an opportunity to explain the value you bring, why you're a good fit, and generally what your audience has to gain from your interaction. So uh, in that example, you saw that you know my background, you know what I'm good at, and you know that I can, uh, my goal is to reach a broader audience through this type of platform. Another example is starting with your destination. So I'm looking for a career in investment management because I manage my own money and have 20% year over year returns and I love doing it. 
the backstory is before I went to business school, I worked for a startup in marketing for a small tech company. Then connecting the dots. My analytical skills serve me well in all my roles, but I'm passionate about finance and managing money. And this opportunity is a great way for me to combine my natural talents with an industry that speaks to me. So the point is, don't look at the past. There's no rear view moments. Connect the dots and put what you want out there in the universe first. Hope that's helpful. My next guest has perfected his own elevator pitch. Dalvet Quince is a New York Times bestselling author, Instagram influencer, celebrity fitness trainer, and personal development expert with 20 years of experience empowering people to turn potential into strength. You might recognize him from his seven seasons as a trainer on the hit show, The Biggest Loser. His mission is personal, as his own narrative's theme is overcoming challenges, finding forgiveness, and building mental and physical strength. His backstory started with an abusive family in the projects of Connecticut, where fear dominated his upbringing, until one day, God's whisper became louder than man's words. He looked fear in the face, starting with his father, and forgave. Dalvet's first book, The 3121 Diet, Eat and Cheat Your Way to Weight Loss, became an instant New York Times bestseller with its unconventional approach to reduce fat and gain muscle. His second book, Work Out the Doubt, is out now, so make sure you all pick it up. I am so lucky to have someone like Dalvet in my network. Let's tune in to my chat with the Dalvet Quince. Welcome to the show, Dolvet. I actually wanted to let my audience know how we met. It's a funny story. We were both sitting at a blackjack table in Vegas. My my husband was pacing nervously behind me. I don't know if you remember that. I wasn't I wasn't listening to any of his tips because I was listening to the advice you were giving me so that I wouldn't mess up the whole darn table. <laughs> And we've been friends ever since. Exactly. I honestly, the only thing I can remember that you had such a positive vibe and I was ignoring my husband who was such a nervous Nelly and we started talking and then thanks to the power of social media, here we are creating an impression with one another and wanting to remain in contact is, is amazing. I just love your positivity and humility and it's just so endearing. And I want to thank you for spending the time with me today and have my audience learn about how you've hit these amazing levels of success. I appreciate the opportunity. I love you guys from the second we met. So it makes perfect sense for me to do this. You guys are funny. You guys are a funny couple. I love you guys. (laughs) Well, why don't we talk about how did you know personal training was something you wanted to do professionally? That's how you got your start, right? Right. I didn't know that, actually. I didn't have that answer immediately. No, not from the jump. Some people, they go to school for kinesiology or, you know, physical therapy or something of that nature. I, I had no idea, to be honest with you you that that would be the path. I think my initial interest is simply helping people yeah. and allowing people and I could, giving them an opportunity to really flourish. I think helping people helps me yeah. is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. And I just, so every job I did was really around that. And my interests were in fashion and, and cars and art, uh, nonprofit, things mm-hmm. of that nature. So I'm always stemming around helping folks. So I tried a little bit of all those things before actually landing in fitness. Yeah. But the, the, the nucleus of it was, how can I help? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to have that purpose. And 1,000%. you ended up setting up your own personal training business in Atlanta. Is that right? That's correct. I love that. I miss those days. You did. What was, the, what was <laughs> one of the first things you did? Like when you turned on the lights to your gym, how did you go about getting 
clientele. I know you ended you ended up with some awesome celebrity clientele. So I want to know how that happened. The first part of the question, I ended up just, you know, going out every evening and I would put myself in an environment that maybe I couldn't afford that restaurant or that menu mm-hmm. or being at that event. But I knew if I put myself in the room, those were the clients that I wanted as my clients, mm-hmm. right? I wanted mm-hmm. the the doctors, the CEOs, the entrepreneurs, the the movers, if you will, the provokers, the social climbers. I wanted them as my clients and I wanted my trainers to have those clients. So I put myself in an environment that said, hey, here's my card. Remember back in the day when your business card had value? Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) What's your Instagram? Do you have a LinkedIn account? Right. 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 Old school way. Old school school way. That's right. Even the texture of your card said something about you and your business. Oh, yeah. If I got a flimsy card, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But if I had a really awesome card, I would say, all right, this this person means business. I don't want to destroy this term, so I'll ask you. What is it when you raise up the paper? Is that called embossed? Yes. 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 That's right. If your card was embossed. (laughs) My card was embossed, and it was on my ass. Right. So there was a picture of me with my ass. Oh, <laughs> so my you God. ran your hand on my ass. I swear to God, so... I'm not making this up. It was so funny. I love it. That's great marketing. <laughs> that's that's amazing. The, oh, my God. <laughs> well, look, I know a number of trainers that have these unique workout methods. What advice would you give them on building their brand and creating their space in the industry? I mean, you just gave a little bit of a tip of having the embossed abs, but thinking about how you set yourself apart in such a competitive industry, talk to me a little bit about that. You know what? I took so much pride in my follow-through. Yeah. You know, I think oftentimes trainers are very present once that client is in front of them. I took pride in the follow-up communication, remembering their birthdays, remembering their children's birthdays, making sure that I would let them know, hey, listen, so far your your muscles have increased by 3% because of this move and that move, and this is why. Yeah. I, I, so I became very scientific-driven from that perspective, yeah. documenting their progress. But I think most importantly was the communication piece on the floor, but mostly after they were off the floor. And I, I took it a step further to where I didn't just hold on to them. My interest was everyone that they were affected by. I notice a lot that you talk about your wife, sir. Why don't we get a free session in here with her, right? Let right. me see if this is not myself. One of my trainers would be best suited for her, you know? So it was always about extending the relationship and adding value to the mother, the family, the, the coworkers, whatever it might be. So I always thought way beyond the moment. Yeah, very natural extension and natural, you know, sales technique. But I think you're right. At the end of the day, you're putting your customers first and we get the satisfaction of getting that transaction, that customer in front of you. But when that customer walks away, are they thinking about you afterwards and your follow through really helped that continuum? I did a program in Atlanta where I partnered with 16 restaurants in Atlanta. And I created something called Dalbet's Fish because mm-hmm. Atlanta wasn't really known for its healthy options when it came to food. <laughs> right. right, I love my so, southern cuisine. I love the southern cuisine. <laughs> Most people do uh, gravy covered in everything. That's right. Um, <laughs> everything covered in gravy. But what I did was I partnered with those restaurants and said, hey, look, 
put a pamphlet of me in your menu, mm-hmm. put a circle around your menus and call it, let's call it doll that dish. Mm-hmm. This is something that I would eat. Maybe it's one or two items on the menu. Put an asterisk by it and my name next to it. Anyone who chose that item, they can bring the receipt into my gym or any one of the affiliated gyms and get a free workout. Wow. So that enabled them. I made a good choice, and that good choice is now allowing me to have good movement. Right, paying that forward. Like that, mm-hmm. paying it forward mm-hmm. and, and thinking, being conscious about, I realize what goes in my body is as important as how much I move. So yeah. I really, I, I was at the forefront of a lot of those things. That's awesome. My other question kind of leads, you know, going from entrepreneur and then landing this amazing opportunity for the show, The Biggest Loser, Uh, you being sort of the star trainer on that show. How did you land that role? Oh, you know what? I just think I I was doing the right things at the right time. Having my private training studio, Mm -hmm. I hired a publicist and no one in my position, I hired a publicist. And I said, this just feels different. It's just this place feels special. Uh-huh. You know, it was, I, I created like a New York City loft. And I saw the crowds that were coming in. I saw the level of interest. It became so much bigger than me. And it was something instinctually that said to me, you got to expand this thing further. And I think because I hired a publicist, yeah. because, I had a man- because I had a manager mm-hmm. that ran the place and ran my business, I was doing things way in front that a studio owner would probably just be concerned about their bottom line. Right. I cared more about the marketing, right? And I yeah. think that led, I got a phone call one day from NBC and they just called and said, hey, we'd love for you to come to LA and audition for the show. Wow. I went, I auditioned, it was great. I got turned down. The rest is history. <laughs> you got turned down? The first time, yeah. Really? I got turned down. They, yeah, it was down to me and three other guys. And Jillian Michaels vouched for one guy with the three. And they said, oh, okay, Jillian last time, we'll, we'll choose him. Right. They chose him. Five months later, they called me and said, look, we messed up. We made a mistake. Could you please come back and audition again? <laughs> And I said, no, I'm busy. No, I didn't say that. I said, um, <laughs> I, You're I like, said, when do I, I come to L.A.? <laughs> right. I came. Well, that... Signed a seven-year contract. And wow. Wow. Well, look, I, one thing that I, that I learned, and I think a lot of my audience that is in this sort of entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial mindset is the fact that you made your gym bigger than going through channels of marketing and, and hiring a publicist, I think, you know, most people don't have that mindset because they're not thinking beyond that transaction. That is super smart. And just that kind of advice, this is the premise of my show to understand how it's done. And this was, you know, a really creative way that you did it. And it's such a great learning for the rest of my audience. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. As you were in the midst of filming The Biggest Loser, which by the way, I love the show, you released a workout DVD and a book. How did you go about doing both? I want to I want to know a little bit about how you talked about doing a DVD release. What did that entail? And then obviously publishing your book. Talk us through uh, how all that culminated. It was one of those bootstrap things for me when I did the DVD. It was sort of like, okay, I got to stretch out this brand, right? I'm always thinking, how do you make a brand bigger than what it is? Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a guy, for example, like a Kevin Hart who who started his own digital stuff and right. on World Star, if you will, and then been selling out stadiums. You build a persona, mm-hmm. right? And for me, 
creating that DVD, which I paid for out of my own pocket, oh. was just my way of saying, look, I really got to keep expanding this information and keep pushing this brand forward. I'm in the business of helping people, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm also very aware of the more value that you add to a specific brand, the more you raise it, you, you raise just that, you raise its value. Yeah. So I paid for it, I pushed it out, and it garnered some success. Yeah. It garnered success, which made it much easier in the room to sell my book idea. Right. So I'm on the show. We saw some of the success of the DVD. When I'm in the offices, it was Penguin at the time mm -hmm. that we spoke to. We spoke to a couple of book companies and Hachette was the name of the company. Okay. And they said yes. And my book was a New York Times bestseller. That's amazing. And, you know, there are a lot of workout books out there. How did you convince yourself and the publisher to put it out there? I think it was really convinced on the fact that they like the freshness of it. They like the diversity of the eating pattern, which is the 31-21 diet, and the numbers represent the days of the week. Ah, they, okay. they love the fact that you could actually cheat a little bit. Right. The ones represent cheating. The three and the two represents three days of clean eating, two days of clean eating. Right. Right. They, you know, they, they basically said, wait a second, there's really nothing out there that says it's okay to cheat. Everything is deprivation. Everything is... Uh, rice cakes and, and gallons of water. It wasn't, yes, you did have that pizza. And they also leaned on my track record on the show was proven. So it was a commune of all those. Things. That's amazing. You mentioned social media in the beginning. Your Instagram following has a whopping 180,000 followers slash fans. How did that happen? <laughs> I'm one of them, by the way. So... <laughs> Just so you know, 180,000 is small. And you know what's so funny? I actually was at double or triple that. I was almost at a half a million when uh -huh. my account got hacked. My oh, account boy. got hacked. They swiped out all of the followers, put them in a ghost account, and then my team could only get back a certain amount. You know, a lot of people dropped off because it was a, lot. It was a nightmare. But right now, yeah. yes, I'm leaning on 180, and I won't dilute it by any means by saying I don't appreciate it. Yes, 180,000 right. is. Very, very uh, awesome, and yeah. wow, I'm very proud of it. It's again, I, I don't know. I just, well, I love what I do. I hope I have a voice. I hope people appreciate what I have to have, what I have to say. Right. And um, I'm very proud of it. Well, I have a stupid question. How does one get verified as a public figure on Instagram? <laughs> I think you put in a request. Oh, yeah? To be verified. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on, I think they base it on engagement and the amount of, the number that you currently have. And Got you. Yeah, there's a whole algorithm situation there. Now, do you put out content daily? I mean, I, I find that, you know, with social media, if you're not in front of your audience putting out new, fresh content, then everybody's sort of ADD and then shifts their attention right. elsewhere. So how do you how do you go about that? I put out content emotionally mm. because my my content is truly authentic and from the heart. Maybe you and I will be in a conversation and you'll say something and say, you know, I, I really want to expand on this. I like what we're saying. Yeah. Let, me, let me involve my audience and talk to them. I wish I could honestly say I'm posting something every single day, Yeah. but I'm working every single day. Sure. There was something I posted recently that said, just because I'm not posting doesn't mean I'm not positioning. Ah. I'm working. I'm positioning stuff in my life for big, like the brand brain doesn't shut off. Sure. The, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and sometimes I may not have it in me to post. I mean, I'm always on it. I'm always engaging with fans. I may even put a story up, but in terms of actually posting yeah. something, I'm not, I, I don't do it as often as I can. Got I won't say should. Got can. All right. And so, look, you're an author, a speaker, a TV personality, yeah. an influencer. Where do you go from here? I keep doing those things because all those mm -hmm. things matter to me, mm -hmm. right? I'm currently creating a television show right now. Wow. I'm uh, writing another book as we speak. Wow. And then lending myself, you know, I call myself a freelancer because I, I built myself up as a trusted authority in this space and I have some amazing partners. You know, I'm an ambassador for type 2 diabetes at the moment. Oh, wow. I'm creating content for various companies, programming for them for fitness. I'm... Um, currently looking into uh which i love keto products oh okay there's something a company i'm extremely interested in at the moment that i may do something here in the near future I, well i've already signed the deal so i'm definitely gonna do well, well i definitely have a question i have a question on that but before we get to that okay. i wanted to ask you do you have a mentor or or even sort of a a board of directors of mentors absolutely yeah you know it's one of the things that i speak to when I do my talks, how important it is to have people in your life that you can lean on, you can trust on. Mm. I speak about social health mm -hmm. often. Who are your social influences? Who are you influencing? You can't be isolated in this world. And you have to have people around you that inspire you, that you trust, that trust you. So yeah, I have some amazing individuals in my life that we speak on a daily basis. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you bounce ideas off of them, giving them insight into what your plans are, and, and they're able to give you feedback and guidance in that respect. Perspective. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. And, I, and I, for them, we, you know, we, yeah. we just respect one another. Yeah. Uh, you know, we respect each other for our accomplishments, but more importantly, our mind and our, um, our selflessness. Yeah. You know, it's a, I live in Los Angeles. It, there tends to be more... Um, selfishness yeah. in this environment because everyone comes here with a dream and when that's you're true. a dreamer that's awesome yeah you know you want to take care of your dreams but i believe you attract who you are no matter where you are yeah i found some secure people because i'm in a place of security myself mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's, it's a compliment to them really yeah and and elevating your game in that respect thousand percent one thousand percent because i don't know everything and i want to learn i'm a student said so this entire world that we live in yeah what advice would you give someone that wants to be in front of the camera? Be yourself. Mm. Be authentic. Don't lose your own identity. Yeah. Stay true to yourself because you can't lie. The, the television will magnify that. Mm -hmm. The television will magnify whatever truth you think you're hiding yeah. or not telling. Just be honest and be authentic. Mm -hmm. That's my advice to anyone who wants to pursue that. Yeah. There's always sort of these personalities or you think you have to act or be some way. And the reality is you can just be you and say what's on your mind and people appreciate it because it is, it shows through right away. Uh, I think people can see through a lot of the act or the show that others are putting on. I think it's pretty obvious. Um, it's funny when I'm in front of my clients and, you know, I just, you want to act proper in front of a client. There's a lot of political correctness and, and this and that. But what I found was anytime that I'm in front of a client and I just kind of dish it to them straight, they just think it's a breath of fresh air saying, oh, you know, you didn't, 
you didn't want to take on this search. Thank you for telling me. Like, I, you know, it was just, <laughs> I think that there's just a human level of appreciation, but just, just yeah. telling it like it is. So no, I, really I, I certainly appreciate that. Lastly, I want, I want to know how you would convince someone like me who's not big on working out. Everyone probably knows that about me, but to find the motivation to do so, can you give me some mental tips that you can share that'll help unlock better behavior for a healthy lifestyle. I don't think I'm on the deep end of anything super terrible, but you know, it's the motivation around mentally unlocking that behavior for me to get into working out. I believe in planning. I Mm. believe that anything I plan, I will probably execute. That's my personality. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'd say to you would be, have you scheduled time to do it? Yeah. If not, schedule time. Set your alarm clock and schedule the time to get up and work out. Mm-hmm. And maybe your workout means you have to even take it a step further. You know, you have to have your workout clothes and your sneakers right next to your bed. So that when you get up, there's no excuse where the lights are low and your that's, eyes are burning. You got to search for it and you lose interest. You fall back in bed. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, you're right. Set, set yourself up for success. And let's say that you don't have time. But did you pack a gym bag? Well, pack a gym bag and let that be your shotgun. Mm. That gym bag is what you put in your passenger seat. It's what you look at before you go to the office. And when you get back in your car, it's what you have to look at also. So if you look at that long enough, you're going to say, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to put on. It's here. I might as well go get it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I just did an article in Heart and Soul magazine talking about sleep and sleep patterns Mm -hmm. and how to get a good night rest and recover. Yeah. And one of them was to set your alarm clock to go to bed. Oh, right. Okay. Oftentimes yeah. people say, oh, I set my alarm clock to wake up. Sure. But if you are you watching TV and you're relaxing, you know, I really believe in that reminder that, you know, yeah. I say set your alarm clock to wind to, down, to eat at a certain, to wind down, yeah. set your alarm clock to work out and say, okay, this is my workout chime. Yeah. Let me get off my butt. I'm on my couch. Let me do five squats every time a commercial comes on. Right. I'm watching my favorite show. Right. Whatever that might mean to you. But I think if you set a pattern of expectation, it will create good habits. And that's how you win. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I schedule my day. It's jam packed. I live and die by my calendar and putting Mm -hmm. in putting it in just makes it real and something that I have to to check off start with two or three times a week. And then we'll we'll see how that goes. Well, I want to have a quick chat on your opinion about All right, there's always the exercise part, which everybody talks about. And then there's the diet part. And thinking about, you know, your opinion on on things like keto versus intermittent fasting, you've talked a lot about eating clean and cheat days. Can you give me sort of a a 30 second synopsis of what you think about how people should go on this journey? I think everything is subjective. Mm. Everything is going to work for everyone. I've been a guinea pig all these different modalities and ways to sort of manipulate the way the body works. Every 10 years, our bodies change. In your 20s to your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, right? And so you want to be in front of it, right? So again, before you turn 40 or at 38, start looking at different ways that your body's changing. Do you pick up food allergies here and there? Do you find that you're becoming glucose is, uh, not glucose, but gluten is something that your body is now rejecting. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many different factors, but the, the net net is this, eat a great portion size of food, mm-hmm. pay attention to how your body reacts with certain foods, mm-hmm. pay close attention to it, 
Don't be numb, naive, or deer in headlights when it comes to how your body reacts. Yeah. And then lead and lead from there. Everything that you do in terms of food and hydration will benefit you from a pattern box. Mm. In that box, sure, you shouldn't have a lot of white processed foods. You shouldn't stay away from pastas and white bread and, 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 and sugar, especially. We all know that's in that box. Right. However, if I do a portion control, my body could react extremely well as a vegetarian. And whereas my blood type, for example... I, I prefer a more meat-driven because the way my blood processes it, right? I, I, I yeah. tend to react more and hold on to my, my muscles better. So there is no direct answer. Yeah. And that's why there's so much information out there. It is, it is a subjective thing that works for each individual as they try to become better versions of themselves. Yeah, no, you're absolutely... As I, as I, as, as I say that... I believe in keto. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I honestly, I actually like keto quite a bit. And I think any time that I have done, you know, not paleo, but really keto, that has become my go-to if I need to hone it in after a vacation or whatever. I, right. I think that works for me. But I think you're absolutely right. You know what's funny? I turned 40. I don't know if I should say out loud, but um, I turned 40. <laughs> thank you. And uh, I noticed that I, I started paying attention to my body more and thinking about the amount of dairy that I was intaking and, and what it was doing to me. Um, I never eat fast food. Uh, I, I shouldn't say never, but it's, it's very rare because I'm in New York City. There's so many different options. We have the luxury mm -hmm. to choose. And so, you know, the traditional fast food joints, but I remember I didn't have a choice and we were on the road and I grabbed something, but the way that it made me feel right afterwards, I noticed right away. And normally right. I would say, you know, when I was younger, I would have never paid attention to that. Like I, I, I would have right. just said like, oh, okay, whatever. And, and just kind of moved on. But I felt something like a rock hit my stomach and it just didn't feel good. And so when I paid attention to that, I'm like, all right, well, I rarely do it, but I'm never going to do it again. Your metabolism slows down as yeah. you age, obviously. Whereas you could probably take in more things, heal at a faster pace because of your youth, right? It's right. at the end of the day. It's like it gets fast. It's fast as it goes in my system, it goes out my system. Yeah. But the fact that now it's at a different pace, mm -hmm. it lives a little longer in your body. You're more susceptible. You're more self-aware. Your, your reaction time is quicker. Yeah. Uh, the, the cause and effect, right? Yeah. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, this has been such awesome, awesome conversation. I think everybody can learn so much from you, from thinking about your entrepreneurial uh, advice to brand management and being more than and some small tips along the way from being, you know, sort of a small business owner at a gym and creating a persona. Uh, I think, you know, I've learned so much and I feel that I, I might have to go out and hire a publicist or something, <laughs> do something bigger. But this has been <laughs> but this has been genuinely such a nice learning experience. I appreciate you chatting with me today. I appreciate you. This is amazing. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And thank you for considering me. You got it. Turning now to the featured company of this episode. I actually wasn't going to talk about this just yet, but I figured I'm going to put it out into the universe and see what happens. 
I am working on something new and I wanted to feature my new venture called Fearless Box. What is Fearless Box? It's a mission-driven leadership skills program for children delivered in a monthly box. We figured every athlete has a coach to help their game. Shouldn't our kids have a coach to help raise theirs? So we are curating content for children on the stuff they don't learn in school. A leadership coach that arrives at your child's doorstep every month, delivering curated content to develop the next generation of leaders. So what's inside? We have leadership books. We have social media challenges. We have experiential learning games, brain teasers. We want to have kids learn by doing. So we curate content for kids that take charge, engaging them in educational games. And why are we doing this? Why fearless? Children train from a young age to play sports, but rarely if ever does our education provide organized leadership training. Most of this is done decades later as adults trying to retrain our brains to think differently. Why not start sooner? Few children are gifted enough to play professional sports, but all children could benefit from a leadership development program, no matter their path in life. We are so excited about this venture. We would love all of your support and will humbly accept every ounce of support you can give us. And uh, we will make sure that we keep you updated all along the way. Our Instagram handle is fearless.box. So stay tuned for more to come. Do you have a question for the recruiter or want to feature your company on the podcast? Send me a note at wwdpodcast.gmail.com and I might be able to help. Also, if you found any of this advice helpful, I want to hear from you about it. You can tweet me at wwdpodcast or call and leave me a voicemail at 914-713-5330. I might even play your voicemail on the show. Finally, I would love it if you would please subscribe for free and give me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. That really helps people find the show, and that means I can help more people, and you know, it's just goodness all around. We're here to build a community and empower professionals every day. Please stay tuned for a great lineup of guests, including TV news anchors, Instagram influencers, fashion designers, public relations professionals, management consultants, rock star doctors to the stars, and more. I'm Dipali Vyas. Thanks for listening.